Stay with us at Church in the Valley. Um, uh, my wife and I had a great Thanksgiving. I'm still trying to get over it, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure I'm sure uh, many of you had great Thanksgivings as well. There's nothing like homemade pie that your mom makes. I just I'll just put throw that out there. Uh, my name My name is Jeep Underwood, and today we're going to be continuing a series just on seeing God as our Father, and. You know, it's really important how we view God and how what we think He really is like, and because uh, we will spend the rest of our lives really responding to who we think God is. It's just very, very, very important. And so we've been looking at for those of us who have uh, who have really accepted Christ that God really is. He's adopted us into His family, and He's really He's really our Father. And a couple of weeks ago, what we looked at was that He's a Father who really cares about us. He's a Father that. You know, we have his full approval and acceptance. We have, uh, we don't have to worry about measuring up because uh, his grace towards us because of what Jesus did on the cross is just right there with us. And that we're going through life. We're not going through life. Uh, we're going through life from his approval and not for his approval. It's just a completely different way of, uh, of relating to God when we get, we get that picture of like what he's really like and how much he cares. And then last week we looked at, that God really is a father who challenges us. He challenges us to grow up and to be like him. And there's really a tremendous opportunity and responsibility that we have to really grow up. And he really wants us to have lives to really make a difference in the world. He wants us to have real good lives. But today, today we're going to be looking at he's a father who corrects. He's a father who corrects us. Um, one thing God, God does is he doesn't leave us alone uh, to just kind of figure things out on our own and kind of grow up alone. He really is completely connected to our lives and every intimate detail of them and just actively involved correcting and training us, trying to help us learn how the lessons we need to really become more like him. So this morning what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit just about my own experience as a father and kind of learning how to do that a little bit better and then show how that's really how that really helped me and it helps helps understand like how God relates to me. And you know, there's something about when you when you begin, when you're thinking seriously about having your first kid, uh, that's kind of a scary thought to become a father. Uh, I remember when, uh, Kate and I, when our son Patrick, uh, we went to the hospital. You know, there's nothing like when your wife tells you, I think it's time. <laughs> you go, it is? Okay. And so you head out. We, I remember being there at the little desk. We're checking Kate in. And I, and I had this feeling. The feeling I had was very similar. To when I was a kid and I got on a roller coaster and they, they put the thing over you and it hooked in and you weren't sure, can I really handle this? <laughs> and you start going on the roller coaster and you start going and you realize that whether you can handle it or not, you're going on the ride and there's, there's really not anything you can do about it. And, uh, I kind of had that feeling like, here we go. And it was, uh, and just, you know, it was just, it turned out, you know, I remember when, when Patrick was born, one of the things that really struck me was he looked real familiar. I, I just, I wasn't ready for that reaction. You know, he, when he was born, I went, that foot looks familiar. The ear, those ears look real familiar to me. But it's just, it's just something about having your kid that just, there's just something in your heart that just warms up to them. But then you have to figure out how you're going to raise your kids. And it's not a neutral question. It's like, you know, what are you going to base it on? How are you going to actually raise your kids over time? And they keep growing, and so the questions keep changing, so you got you keep trying to figure out, like, how are you going to raise your kids? 
for me, as I as I looked ahead, I I when about a year or so before we had Patrick, Kate and I started seriously talking about we're going to start a family. And so what I did is one of the, one of the things I did is I just began to look in the the book of Proverbs and just started looking for principles and things that about how to raise your kids. I just wanted to get some more handles on how to do that. And uh, one of the verses I came across is in Proverbs 3, 11, and 12. It should pull up on your screen. It says, My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord, nor loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves, even as a father corrects the son in whom he delights. One of the, one of the, the for me, when I, when I saw that verse, there's a couple of pictures that came into my mind. Uh, one is just a picture of a father who corrects his son in whom he delights that that really as a dad, I needed to be correcting my kids. I needed to be training them, helping them learn how to do life. And that I also, but the atmosphere within which I did that is just really one of love. That I really needed to know I loved them, that I approved of them, that I cared for them. And then I, I as I, the word discipline, I, I looked at that word discipline, I kept seeing it showing up uh, as I went through Proverbs. And then uh, there's also a word instruction. So I started looking at these different words. And, you know, I'm not a scholar, but I do have software. And so I started looking at, I started looking up just like some of the meanings of the, the, the original languages, what these words meant. And one thing I found is that the word instruction, the word discipline were the same word. And that, that word, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but musar is the word that's in the original languages. And it has both the connotation of both instruction and discipline. And the picture that came into my head as I, as I, as I latched onto that was that there was a lesson that really needed to be learned. A picture that came to my head was I didn't have kids yet and I didn't realize how, how this was actually going to happen to us. But I had a picture of like a little boy walking through the kitchen, walking towards the stove and it was hot. And so he's walking towards, and the dad says, son, don't, don't move towards the stove. It's hot. And then he keeps going, hmm? you know, son, don't move to the stove. It's hot. He keeps moving. Hmm? So finally, he's just about ready. He's going to touch the stove. And then the dad will pick, pick up his son. This is the picture I had. And, and correct him. Give him a spanking and say, son, don't touch the stove. It's hot. And the picture that came in my head was, is that the, the lesson never changed, but just the mode of instruction changed. And, and so that, that, that opened up for me just an understanding that there were lessons that I needed to teach my kids. And I needed to really go at it from an attitude of instruction, but that there needed to be a point in time when the mode of instruction would really change and that you would really help them learn that. Because the lesson was so important because you could really get hurt if you didn't learn that lesson. So, you know, Kate and I have tried to do this over time. And we're, you know, uh, we're just imperfect people. We're still learning how how to really raise kids. But one of the things I've noticed is that when other people observe you when you're raising your kids, they can be kind of confusing to them. If they don't know you, they don't know where you're coming from. I remember uh, several years ago when the kids were smaller, uh, we were at Walmart. And if you have a family, you eventually will wind up at Walmart because it's inexpensive. And uh, so we're, we're at Walmart, and, and kids kind of get this idea. They get this idea that everywhere is a playground. And so, you know, they're running around. They're, they're doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And. And so I went, I kept, I kept trying to instruct them, you know, guys, hey, there's, there's, there's people here that need to shop. You need to watch out for the people here. And I said, guys, you need to, hey, you need to calm down. And it was just kind of like, it was just not, it was not computing. And so then I pulled them all together 
I pulled them all together and I said, now guys. And so we had a little huddle. I said, now guys, now there's other people here and we need to really look out for their interests. And guys, you need to calm down. If you don't calm down, then, then I'm going to have to go to a different mode of instruction. That's one thing I taught the kids. You want to, you want to decide which mode of instruction you're, you're going to get. So really pay attention when you're being instructed. And so because we had developed that pattern with them, they really listened to what I had to say, and it actually meant something to them. But this lady walked by right about the time I'm doing that. She walks by and she goes, oh, great job, Dad. Hey, why don't you cut them a little slack? What are you, a sergeant? <laughs> like, man, I just felt, well, I feel a little misunderstood right now. I'm, actually, I was trying to make sure you could shop. Um, and so just felt a little misunderstood. And then the reason I remember this story is about an hour later, We'd left um, Walmart. And the best thing to do after Walmart is go have pizza. So we went to our, our favorite pizza place, which is Round Table Pizza. And we go to this Round Table Pizza, and we're inside there. And, and I'm just, just going around getting the people, uh, you know, getting everybody their food, find out what everybody wants. Pepperoni. No, no, no pepper. Okay. Pepperoni, but you pull them off because you like the taste. Okay. I got you. So, you, <laughs> so you're kind of figuring things out. And, and then... Uh, and then you give people's drinks, and I'm just, I'm just, you know, bringing the food over. I'm just taking care of people. And this one lady uh, walked over, and she goes, "I just had to stop and talk to you." And I said, "Oh, okay." She goes, "I really appreciate the kind of dad you are. You just take care of your family." And she says, "I just think that's just great." I'm like, "Oh well, well thank you." And I thought. <clears throat> you know, you ought to go talk to this lady over in Walmart. She's, uh, she's not, uh, she's not seeing it quite that way. Um, now the truth is, you know, I was the, I was the same father in both of those situations. I had the same goals for my kids. I had the same dreams for my kids. They just didn't know me and they didn't know my family. And, and I don't want to come across as like, I always do everything right because that is not true. Just spend about 30 minutes with me and you'll find out that's not true. <clears throat> but, they just didn't know me and they didn't know my family and how we, and how we operated. When, when God is, when God is instructing us or when God is correcting us in our lives, it can be confusing sometimes. It can be confusing because you, you just don't really, you really know where he's coming from. That's why it's so important that we get to know him and that we spend time with him and we understand his goals and his dreams for our life. And that he really does have instruction and some, he has some lessons that he really wants to teach us. He wants some, he wants, he really has dreams that we would turn out to be certain kind of people. So today I want, I want to spend some time in Hebrews chapter 12. And in Hebrews chapter 12, um, he actually quotes Proverbs 11, uh, 3, 11 and 12 to begin with. And then he goes on and he says this. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you're not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. What he's saying is that, you know, when the hard times come, when there's hardships that come, that's really, that's when God is really training you. He's trying to get your attention. There's some lessons that he's trying to get your attention with. And these lessons really matter. And it's really, it shows that you're really his kid. You know, it shows that you, he really cares about you and he's invested in you and he wants nothing but the best for you. What I'd like to do right now, I'd like to watch a clip from a movie called uh, Cinderella Man. I, I don't know, have you, guys, have you guys seen Cinderella Man? 
It's a, it's a good movie. It's about a fighter, uh, back in the Depression era who had actually done really well, made quite a bit of money, but the Great Depression just wiped him out completely. And, uh, he, he, his family goes into some deep poverty and as well as many, 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 many other people during that time. And one thing, just getting kind of a picture of like what he was like, uh, he, he had to go on assistance from the government at some point. And so what he did is he, he did what he had to do. And then at the end of, when he, when he began to come out of his, uh, this period to begin to make more money, he, he took, he went back and he actually paid back, went to the government office and paid back all the assistance that he got. They didn't really, really know what to do with it because no one had ever done that before to them. But that's kind of the guy he was. So I'd like you to watch this clip. He, in this clip, they're in the, they're in the middle of their, their hard times and his son has just stolen some food. And I'd like you to just watch this clip. Things ain't easy at the moment, Jay. You're right. There's a lot of people worse off than what we are. And just because things ain't easy, that don't give you the excuse to take what's not yours, does it? That's stealing, right? We don't steal. No matter what happens, we don't steal. Not ever. You got me?
was a good dad. You know, he, he loved his son. He loved his son. He corrected him because he loved his son. And he had a, he had a bigger vision for what his son would become. And so he taught him, he taught him some lessons in the midst of, of, of a hard time. And he really listened to his son. One thing you see is he really listened to his son and he comforted him. And he really accepted him right where he was at. It's just a great picture, just a great picture of what this looks like. Is an atmosphere of delight in, a, in an area where you actually correct and you train your kids over time. And that's, that really captures the heart of a father who corrects. And that's really what God's like with us. He really cares for us. Uh, the discipline of God in our life, the correction of God in our life is really just an extension of His grace. It's because He cares so much about us and for us. So I'd like to, I'd like to continue going through, uh, Hebrews, uh, chapter 12. Let's look at the next, next part of this where he, the writer of Hebrews is trying to explain this to us. He says, moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. So one thing, you know, as, as a good earthly dad, we, we really try to do our best to train our kids. But God is able, he actually knows exactly what's good. He knows exactly what's right and exactly what needs to be done. And he disciplines us for our good so that things really turn out well for us. It says, in order that we may share in his holiness. Now, holiness, what basically what, what that means is to be set apart. It's like to be different. God really wants us to be different kinds of people than, than, the, than the culture that we're in. That we'd really stand out and really, and really, really be people that could really point people back to Him. And that He, one thing, it's easy to get this idea that that God's goal is really to make us happy, when really what God's goal is is really our character. He's really, He's really, His goal is that we would over time become more and more like His Son Jesus Christ. And the result of that becoming like Him is actually a, a life of well-being. So Romans Romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine says, um, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. That's really what what God wants for us is to become like Jesus. And so you know what He wants is as we're in the relational arenas, as we're going through our lives, He wants us really to, to love like Jesus did. And then he, he also, he wants us to have his joy and his peace in our lives. And uh, we'd really have the well-being in our lives that Jesus had. And then we just really have the patience that he had in dealing with hard situations to really stay under and be faithful. And just to be kind towards other people and faithful and following through with, with the responsibilities that we have. And just in humility, just be dealing with people. And then as we do that... Um, our lives really do make a difference in the people around us. And we do life very different than the world around us, and we really begin to stand out. And God, what He's done and He's doing is He's correcting us. He wants us to change us from the inside out, like that song we sang just before I stepped up here. He really wants to change us from the inside out so that we become that kind of people. Now, hardships are some of the way He does that. I remember, I remember, uh, several years ago, uh, with a, we have, we, uh, with our family, we had, one car, and then we got another car. And that's always a happy moment when you have a family, when you have two cars. 
And what happened is Kate's aunt sold us her Honda, a 1988 Honda Accord, for 500 bucks. It had 200,000 miles on it. Market price was about 2,000. And uh, we got this car, and it really helped us out big time. But the thing is, if you've ever seen a 1988 Honda, they're small. And if you look at me, you realize I'm not. And so I would, uh, you know, I let Kate have the, I had, she had the better car. And so I took the little, the little Honda. And, you know, every time I got in that car, if I wasn't paying attention, I'd crack my head. I, I, I had this whole, I had to like go down and then rotate. I just had this whole thing I had to do to get in that car. And about every third time I'd forget. And I'd jump down and crack my head and I'd go, oh, man. And the, after we had that car for almost a year, towards the end of that year, I would hit my head and I would just think, oh, I hate this car. This car, my gosh, I hate this car. And I'd crack my head. Oh, man, this car, you know, it's so small. I feel like I'm scooting around in it instead of driving it. And, and then uh, then one day we're, we took a little trip. We come back. We're going over the grapevine, and something happened. And it had a whole big problem, and it turned out that it needed a whole engine overhaul. It just uh, it just didn't go very well at all. So I, we took it to a mechanic. He said it would be about two or $3,000. I thought, well, other than the fact that we don't have two or three thousand dollars, I wouldn't invest that in a five hundred dollar car anyway. Okay, well, we're, we, so I got rid of the car. So for for a while, for a few months, we back we had one car, and so as I would walk down the hill, fifteen minutes to get to the bus, to take it to work every day, and then come back and walk back up the hill every night after I got off the bus, I had a lot of time to contemplate um, how important the car is. And then we got another car. We had this opportunity. We got another car. And then it wasn't three weeks after we got that car that the the first car we had, it broke down. And it came to a sudden end. And we had to get rid of that. So we we're still down to one car for a few months. And one morning I was, I was just having, uh, I was just having some time with God and reading the scriptures and thinking and just, and I was praying for a car. God just put this thought in my head of that, uh, just how he just kind of put a painted a picture in my head of just how I hadn't been very grateful for the last car he'd given me, and it just really struck me that you know I needed to be grateful, and God just really instructed me that I need to be grateful for what He's given me and to be content. And so I began I began to really do business with God and just to repent from that and say, God, would you please give us a car? And whatever you give us, I will enjoy it, and I will be very grateful for it. And several several months later, or well, probably. A, Probably a month or two later, we got an opportunity to get a an old car, but it had low miles, and it was a uh, uh, a Chrysler Town and Country minivan. Which, if you have a family, when you go to the minivan stage, that's like another whole plateau as well. You're able to drive around you know, all in one car easily. And so then we, uh, I remember one day I got in that car and I was having a big problem, and I got in the car and I thought, "Oh, I hate this man." Oh no, no, I don't. No, I don't, God. Um, I do not hate this van. In fact, quite frankly, I love this van. I'm going to write a love poem to this van. No, I, I, I'm, I'm being facetious now, but, but I just like God. I just, God, I am serious as a heart attack. Thank you for this van. Thank you for this van. And it just, it just changed my whole perspective on what it is that God was bringing into my life. Now, I, I could tell many, many stories of the many things that God has done like that, but that's just kind of a picture of how God will get our attention sometimes through the hardship that we face. And uh, 
one thing, there's a truth, and the, and the truth is this, is that who you really are on the inside, who you really are drives how things turn out for you in any given situation. So who you really are really drives how things turn out for you in any given situation. And then our sense, our sense of well-being in life is actually tied to how things turn out. And so what God does is he looks at who we really are. He looks at who we really are, and then he desires to really instruct and correct us because he wants us to become more and more like his son. And he really wants us over time to really have a much better life and really to be people that really do have a real sense of well-being. So he, so God uses hardship and he brings hardship into our lives to get our attention on attitudes and perspectives that need to change. And because, because he just really wants to change us at the core of who we are. And our response to him in that is, is very, very key as he's doing that. If we can recognize that he's our loving father and that he really is doing this out of a heart of love for us, it makes all the difference. So let's take a look at the next part of uh, the next verse in Hebrews 12. It says this. It says, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterward it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So discipline in itself is not a joyful thing. It's, it's a hard thing. It's a sorrowful thing. But there, there's two words that really stand out to me in this, in the words yet and the words afterwards. If we will, if we will allow ourselves to be trained by the hardship and really pay attention to the lesson that God's really teaching us, if we will do that, then afterwards, after we begin to really do business with Him on that, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That, that well-being, that sense of well-being that God really wants for us, and to become the kind of people He wants for us, that's really what happens. And it becomes more and more like that over time as you do this consistently. So, you really want to, you want to really look at your response when you're going through a hardship, when you're going through hard times. One thing, what I would, I would really encourage you is, back in Proverbs 3, 11 and 12, it says, uh, for our, for, uh, he, as a father corrects his son in whom he delights. He says, do not reject the discipline of the Lord nor loathe his reproof. He says, definitely don't fall into the trap of rejecting, rejecting what it is that God, the, the hardship and the things he's trying to teach you. Or just despise it, loathe it, just, and get bitter about life and just, and to be, and just be completely divorced from the fact that he loves you and that he's your father. Don't fall into that trap, but, but really submit to him. One thing is said in Hebrews is submit to the father of spirits and live. So really submit to him and spend time in his word. And then let the hardship that you're going through just expose an area of your character that needs to change. Just let that expose. Think through, like, what area of my character needs to change? What What is this highlighting? What 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 finger is God putting on in my life that I really need to work on? And then humbly take to heart that correction. Humbly take that to heart. And then work on change. Work on changing that while you're praying and asking him for him to enable you to change. And to just pray for his spirit really to powerfully work in you. As you really endeavor to change, he really work with you. If we'll do this in response to God's correction over time, then we'll change more and more over time to become like Jesus and become more like the people that he wants us to be. And like the people that Paul describes in Philippians chapter 2. 
He says, so that you'll prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. What God really wants us wants in our lives is that we become the kind of people that would really point other people to God and be able to see that, that there's something really different with us and that there's something really important with God and they'd really be drawn to Him. So this morning, I would really encourage each one of us to really just think through and identify what's a hardship you're facing right now. What's a hardship you're facing right now? And then as you, as you, as, as you think through that, to really ask this question, and that is, what is God wanting to teach me through this? Begin asking that question. We tend to ask a question like, God, why is this happening to me? But don't, don't fall into that trap, but begin to ask, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you wanting to teach me through this? And then spend time in His Word and Listen to him and then get some time with some people that are maybe a little further down the road that have been walked with God for a while and ask them, kind of bring the things up to them. What do you think God is trying to teach me through this? And they can really help you. They can really help you with that. And just remember this above all else is that God really cares about you. He wants the very best for your life and he has real dreams for you. Just like, just like any father does for his kid. So with that, I'd like to ask the band. Uh, with the band, I'd like to ask you to come back up. Uh, if you haven't filled, finished filling out your connection card, you could go ahead and uh, fill that out and drop it in uh, the offering when it comes by. <clears throat> and i just go through a couple of the next steps. One is, just like we just talked about, maybe for you just to identify a hardship you're facing right now where God might be trying to teach you something. And then maybe for you this morning, just asking that question, God, what are you trying to teach me through this situation? And really begin to listen to him. So let me, uh, let me pray and we'll get back to service. Dear God, Father, um, we're just very grateful to you that you care about us and that God, you, you comfort us. You, you have your arm around us. You're holding us by the hand. And God, as we go through life, I pray that you give us, we'd really pay attention to your instruction and that you'd really help us to understand what it is you're teaching us that we could really cooperate with you. In Jesus' name, amen.